0: Well, good morning. Great to see you all. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our preaching team. And uh, yeah, just so glad that you're here with us. Man, last week with Easter, that was pretty fun, huh? Holy smokers. We had a great weekend. Um, thanks for coming. Uh, we had about 2,400 people on campus over the two services outside, which was really cool. And uh, some of you came back. And uh, so that's great, too. So thanks for Uh, Thanks for being here. Uh, Whether you're new or you've been around a while, I want you to know um, there's something I do every week. Every Wednesday, I send out an email um, to folks that are subscribed to it, and it's kind of a a way to just um, encourage you. Uh, Sometimes it's got resources and recommendations. Sometimes it just has an encouraging thought. Sometimes it talks about something that's coming up here that I think you might want to know about. And so if you don't get those emails, but you would like to, uh, go to our website. Go to gateway.redemptionaz.com and uh, just scroll down a tiny little bit. There's a spot that says, uh, you know, subscribe to the weekly email. And I'd love to just be in touch with you. If you want to hear from me at all, I'd love to have that connection point. So I want to let you know about that. So I don't know what you did for Easter. Uh, If you did Easter egg hunts, if you had ham, if you had carne asada, if you uh, did some other tradition that you have, maybe uh, you tried to do kind of a... a, um, Animal, like, what do they call that? I'm just totally blanking right now. Petting zoo. Thank you. Petting zoo. Did you do a petting zoo? Uh, were petting zoos open this this year? I don't know if they were even open. Um, but but if, if you ever go to a petting zoo and you find a sheep that looks like this, you're going to have a problem. So this is a sheep that was uh, found in uh, a forest in Australia. Uh, this sheep was, was found there. Uh, the people who found him named him Rock, which I think is pretty funny. Like, I don't know. I, find, I think that's funnier than everyone else does, but, but I think that's pretty funny. And uh, I learned something actually about sheep. It's wild sheep actually naturally shed their coat every year. But domesticated sheep have been bred to never shed their coat so that you can kind of keep harvesting their wool. And so this was a sheep, when they found him, they realized based on the holes in his ears that he had been a domesticated sheep, but he'd somehow gotten loose out into this forest in Australia and had put on nearly 80 pounds of wool. And so even though he looks huge and fat, he actually was emaciated and malnourished, because it was so much weight to carry around that he couldn't eat and he couldn't get around. And so uh, the people found him and they cleaned him up. They, they gave him a nice little uh, haircut. And here's what he looked like after, after that. Yeah. Oh, sweet little guy. He's, all, he's got a blanket to keep him warm now because he lost his 80 pounds of wool. Um, anyway, so, so what you find with this story is you kind of go, okay, this was a sheep without a shepherd. This was a sheep who, without a shepherd, ended up wandering into the forest and ended up in a place that was pretty helpless. And the reality today, friends, is that we are more like sheep than we want to admit. The Bible describes us as sheep quite a bit. The Bible doesn't use language uh, to describe us like, hey, you are the jaguars, or you're the the, the tigers, or the sharks, right? We're not great white sharks. We're not lions. Jesus is the lion. We're sheep. And we're more like sheep than we want to admit. There's a man named David Murray who's a pastor and an author in Scotland and has spent a lot of time around sheep, and he describes sheep. He says, sheep are foolish, sheep are slow to learn, sheep are stubborn, sheep are restless, sheep are straying, and sheep are the same everywhere. That's kind of interesting. Sheep are the same, whether they're in China or Africa or Scotland or Arizona, sheep are the same, and we're the same. We are foolish. We are slow to learn. We are stubborn. We are restless. We are straying, and we need a shepherd. And so in this passage, Jesus announces to us that he is our good shepherd. Now, just so we kind of understand what's going on in the context of this story, uh, this is picking up right where chapter 9 left off. So in John chapter 9, Jesus encounters this man who was born blind. And the man doesn't even ask Jesus to heal him, but Jesus sees him, has compassion on him, and heals him. Uh, He does so on the Sabbath day, which was the day that you weren't supposed to work. And so a huge controversy erupts because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. And so as the, the word about this spreads to the religious authorities, they start reading this guy, the riot act, and asking him a lot of questions. And this man who's been healed stands up boldly for Jesus. As a result of doing so, he's kicked out of the synagogue. Just think about that. guy who's been on the outskirts of life his whole life. And now he finally has access and he's kicked out again. It's pretty rough. Jesus goes and he finds him. He hears that they cast him out. So he tracks him down and he finds him and he tells him even more, hey, I'm not just the person that healed you. I'm actually... Uh, the Messiah. I'm the one that if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. And then another conversation happens. Jesus is going back and forth with these religious leaders who think that they see so well. And he says, actually, your problem isn't that you're blind. It's that you're blind, but you think you can see. And right into that, there's no gap in the story. There's no change in scenery. The very next thing we read about is in John chapter 10, Jesus describing himself as a shepherd. And so in this passage today, we're going to see five different aspects of what it means for Jesus to be a shepherd. So that's what we're going to look at. Uh, Would you pray with me? And we'll jump in. Uh, Father in heaven, we admit now that we're sheep, that we're foolish, that we're slow to learn, that we're stubborn, that we're restless, that we stray. And so God, would you spend your spirit to help us to see Jesus as the good shepherd, so that we could learn, so that we could have peace, so that we could be guided into the life that is truly life. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first truth that we see from this text is that Jesus is the true shepherd who knows his sheep and they know him. If you have a Bible, you wanna follow along with me here in John chapter 10, we're gonna look at some of this pretty closely, so just track with me. And in the first five to six verses, Jesus describes himself as a true shepherd in contrast to thieves and robbers and people who are merely trying to destroy the sheep. He says this, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. You get this idea. There are people kind of scaling the walls of the sheep pen. They're not going in through the door. Uh, They don't have legitimate access. They're sneaking in to try to steal and destroy these sheep. In contrast, verse 3, the sheep hear the true shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus here is is contrasting himself uh, between the kind of false shepherds, the people who look like they're in charge, but they're actually thieves and robbers who just want to destroy the sheep and himself. Who are the thieves and robbers? Well, they're like these religious leaders that he's going back and forth with, who when a a herding sheep finally gets healed... They try to destroy him. On the other hand, Jesus is the one who speaks, and his people know his voice. That's what I just love over and over in verse 3 and uh, verse 4. The sheep hear his voice. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They do not know the voice of a stranger. This is, this is relationship language. This is familiarity language. Some of you moms, you have this just superpower that most of us dads don't have, which is you can be in a crowded room with lots of kids running around, and all of a sudden you hear a cry, and it's your kid, and you know it's your kid. Right? Us dads, we don't even know. We don't even know a kid's crying. Someone has to tell us, hey, your kid's bleeding and you're like hey honey our biff is bleeding could you go help him i don't i don't know what we should do but you actually your your ears are so attuned you've developed such a bond with your kid that you can hear a cry that sounds to most people like just any other kid crying and yet you know that's my kid i need to move toward them you know your child. In the same way, Jesus knows his sheep and we know him. We recognize him. We hear his voice and we go, yes, that's what I want to follow. And so I guess there's an application here to say, are you you listening to the voice of the shepherd? Are you hearing the voice? Because friends, there are lots of other voices trying to sneak into your heart, trying to lead you astray, trying to say, hey, here's the path of life. And it's not. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? Now, I know when I say that, that can sound super weird. And some of you can even be like, what you, how do I hear the voice of Jesus? Like, do I just get kind of alone in a room and go, all right, Jesus, ready, go. Well, maybe the Lord will speak to you by his spirit that way. But the way we hear Jesus' voice primarily is through his word. And the way that even our hearts are able to discern the promptings of the Spirit comes by being attuned to his voice through the word. And so that's why even like in this gospel of John, I love it because over and over you have these places where, John, where Jesus is speaking and he's teaching and he's showing us, here's what the kingdom of God is like and here's what eternal life is like and here's what it's like to follow me and here's what it's like to be in my presence. And that's how we hear his voice. Jesus is the true shepherd who knows his sheep and he leads us. I don't know if you noticed this detail. This struck me as, as kind of odd in verse 4, that Jesus is actually in front of the sheep. When I think of shepherds, I think kind of from more of a Western approach to shepherding. In, in the West, like UK and in the US, a lot of times you sort of see a shepherd and the shepherd's behind the flock and using a guide dog or using a cane or using something to kind of steer the flock from behind. But in the Middle East, even today, shepherds actually lead from out front. That's what it says in verse four. When he's brought them out, when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So the the shepherd just keeps walking in front and keeps calling out, and the sheep keep following his voice. And that's what it is to know Jesus. You hear his voice, you follow him, you do what he says. You hear his voice, you follow him, you do what it says. That's just that's just what it is to be in relationship with him, because he's the true shepherd and he knows his sheep. Well, secondly, we see that Jesus is also the protecting shepherd. He's the protecting shepherd who gives abundant life. It seems almost in this second part, beginning in verse 7, that Jesus almost seems to shift the metaphor, right? He's gone from talking about that he's the shepherd, and beginning in verse 7, he starts to say that he's the door. And we go, gosh, what is he doing there? So so read this with me, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, again, at first, it seems like, well, he's mixing the metaphor. What a lot of people will will say as they kind of study uh, ancient shepherding is that one of the things that would happen is that the sheep would be in a kind of pen and the shepherd would function as the gate, as the door. The shepherd would actually lay there during the night and protect the flock. It it kind of was a way to say like, hey, if you want to get to the sheep, you got to get through me. I remember when I was in sixth grade, uh, we the school is part of, I don't know how they approved this. I grew up in Colorado, and somehow the sixth grade class went on a trip to New Mexico. And we stayed at some other school in their gym, and it was boys on this side, girls on this side, and all the teachers slept across the middle. You know, thou shalt not pass, right? It was like, you can't get across, right? Or, or, or this happened last Saturday. So, so last Saturday, we were preparing for the Easter service outside. And um, we had it all kind of set up so that on Sunday, the sprinklers would not be on, right? Some of you actually were wishing the sprinklers would turn on during that 10 o'clock service because it was hot. Um, but, But we'd kind of prepped, okay, Sunday, the sprinklers are off. Well, the band practiced on Saturday. They got through their rehearsal. And a little bit after that rehearsal was finished, the sprinklers turned on. And from what I'm told, people were diving on the sprinklers like they were like, <laughs> diving on a grenade to protect the sound equipment from the water, right? And so people just soak themselves and say, hey, I, I'm, gonna protect the, I'm gonna protect this gear. And I just, I love the commitment of our volunteers. That's just like really, really cool. You saved us a lot of money. So thank you for uh, doing that. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the protecting shepherd. I wanna get in the way of the things that are trying to destroy you. How many of you know that there's a lot out there trying to destroy you? How many of you know that there's a lot inside you that's trying to destroy you? And Jesus is saying, I'm the protecting shepherd. I give abundant life. Verse nine, I'm sorry, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That word abundantly is translated, it could also be translated as overflowing or super abundant. It's this idea not of eternal life. Jesus talks about that elsewhere. We think of eternal life being kind of the the life that lasts forever. This isn't talking about that. This is talking about a quality of life that is overflowing. This is talking about the love and the joy and the delight of being in relationship with God and living in line with his world and the joy that comes from that. And this makes sense that the The shepherd would give that kind of life to his sheep because we read one of the most famous Psalms in Psalm 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It goes on to say this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to be in relationship with him, where he protects you from the things that are going to steal and kill and destroy you. And instead, you have his abundance. You have his overflowing. Now get this, I'm not preaching here some sort of prosperity gospel that's to say, if you just trust Jesus, everything will get better. Because it might not get better. It actually said in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus isn't going to stop the, the thief who's going to try to attack your heart. He's not, until glory, going to get rid of the enemy within you that's going to even try to destroy yourself. But he is going to offer you abundant life if you'll look for it in him. The question is, where are you looking for it? See, see I think there aren't very many people that are on a truth quest. Truth is really important. Right, Jesus said he is the truth. But most of us aren't looking for the truth. What we're on is a fulfilled life quest. We're on a happiness quest. And we'll abandon the truth in order to be fulfilled. I'm not saying we should, but we do. So the question is, where are you looking for life? Maybe you're looking in kind of, kind of good seemingly places. Kind of think, you know what? If my marriage could just get like 25% better, my life would be good. Maybe if I could give my kids a life that's substantially different than the family I grew up in, then I'd be okay. Maybe if I could have this kind of job and have this kind of opportunity and have this kind of leadership role and have this kind of income. Are you looking for life in those places? It will not pay off. Some of you are going, if I could just meet somebody. Some of you moms are saying, if I could just stay home with my kids. Some of you are saying, if I could just not stay home with my kids and go back to work. Right? We're looking for life in all of these places. And some of those places seem fine, but we also look for life in places that obviously are not. Some of you are looking for life in alcohol. And an occasional drink with friends has then turned into a more regular drink to take the edge off a little bit, which has turned into you can't go today without a drink. Some of you, you've looked for it in relationships and connection and intimacy with people that you're not married to. Some of it, you, you look for it in, in spending money Just constantly looking to fill that hole in your heart with stuff. See, the problem isn't that we want a fulfilling life. The problem is that we look for it everywhere but Jesus. And God actually calls that evil. See, we think about sin being doing bad stuff. But actually, according to the Bible, sin isn't just doing bad stuff. Sin is looking to have your heart fulfilled anywhere other than God. Look at this verse in Jeremiah chapter 2. The prophet writes this. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. That's quite an introduction. Hey, this is disastrous. Oh, what's so disastrous? Verse 13. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, And hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What is evil in the eyes of God? What is sin in the eyes of God? It is turning away from God who is the fountain, who is the source, who is the one who came to give life abundantly. We go, nah, I'll do it on my own. That's the first part. And the second is then looking to find that joy, to find that life, to find that fulfillment in what this is described as broken cisterns that can hold no water. The the image here is that there is a fountain, there's a waterfall of fresh water, and there it is, and you go, no, not interested, and instead you get a a, a dingy pot, and you sit it out there to catch some rainwater, and you go, this will satisfy me. What's striking is that God doesn't just call that dumb, he calls it evil, because you were made for a shepherd. You were made for a God who knows you and who wants you to have a good, abundant life. Why does he want that? Well, it's because he's the good shepherd. That's the third thing we learn, is that Jesus is the good shepherd who sacrifices himself for his sheep. Jesus describes himself twice, in verse 11 and in verse 14, using the language, I am the good shepherd. Shepherd, I want to just read this section, and, and as we read it, here's what I want you to know like, just, just reading it, it's like, man, this is really encouraging that someone would love you like this. Look, look at this, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Now, we read that, and it's like, oh, that's cool. That's encouraging. Like, man, how awesome. Jesus is a good shepherd. But what what I want to show you, I actually want to take you into Ezekiel 34, and I want to show you that what Jesus is doing here is not just offering an encouraging thing about being a good shepherd, but he's actually dropping a bomb Into the understanding of these Jewish religious leaders that he's interacting with. So here's what it says in Ezekiel 34. This is a prophecy many years before Jesus. It says this The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, get this. This is not a prophecy against the sweet little guys out in the field. This is the shepherds of Israel are the leaders of Israel, they're the kings. They're the prophets, they're the priests, they're the people who are supposed to be in leadership, who are supposed to be guiding Israel towards righteousness. So this is a prophecy against those leaders. It says, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones but you do not feed the sheep. This is the critique against the leaders, against the politicians of Israel. By the way, it hasn't changed that much, has it? How many, how many leaders are out there truly just doing what's best for the people? Not very many. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. The loss you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So get this. Instead of laying your life down for the sheep and sacrificing yourself for the sheep, you've sacrificed the sheep for yourself. Now listen, I gotta tell you, as a as a leader, as a, I mean, my title is pastor. The word pastor, do you know what it means? Shepherd. So I can't read this and just go, oh, those jerks in Washington. I have to actually like hold the mirror up to me. You know, you know what? I don't love as well as I should. I've had plenty of times when people in my care have felt like a person who was scattered. That's the next part. They were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So there's a lot of corruption here going on among these leaders, but even among human leaders, even among people that are really trying to do a good job, I think about our pastors, I think about our elders. Our desire is not in any way to um, somehow fatten ourselves up at the expense of the flock, and yet there is a reality of we, we can't care for people as well as Jesus can. And so there's a, there's a limit to how much any human shepherd Can do, which is why in Ezekiel 34, God says, I'm going to do something that you've never seen before. Look at verse 11. It says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. This is God himself saying, if you want the job done right, you gotta do it yourself. And so he's saying, I'm coming. And so listen, when Jesus shows up and says, I am the good shepherd, what is he saying? I'm God. He says it twice in case you missed it. This is not just Jesus going, I care about people. This is Jesus saying, I am God. The prophecy of Ezekiel 34 that all of you religious leaders listening to me, Jesus would say, you know that prophecy and you know how it condemns you and you know how you have been acting just like those people with this blind man and I am the good shepherd. Why is he the good shepherd? What makes him the good shepherd? Well, he says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He compares it to a hired hand who sees a wolf coming. And instead of fighting off the wolf at the risk of his own life, the hired hand flees and runs away. But Jesus says, no, I'm the true shepherd. I see the wolf coming and I fight it even to the death. And Jesus, get this, he doesn't just risk his life to save us. He gives it. What's the wolf coming against us? It's sin. It's Satan. It's the corruption of the world. It's the flesh within us that still wants to hold on to a life without God. And Jesus sees that coming at us like a freight train and he steps in front of it and he sacrifices himself for us. Now, he's hard on the hired hands. I I was thinking about this and going, okay, think about this. Think about you're you're a shepherd and there's a wolf coming and you're protecting sheep. I would kind of think there might be a point at which you go, they're just sheep. I'm gonna live to see another day. Sorry, wolf, I'm out of here. Right? Like there is a party that's like, would a human shepherd literally die for sheep? It's almost like asking, would a divine shepherd literally die for humans? Yet that's what Jesus did. Again, we're not the jaguars. We're not the lions. He's dying for sheep, for confused, slow, stubborn, restless, straying, foolish people. Like you and like me. That's the extent of his love. That's why he's truly the good shepherd. All right, here's the fourth aspect of Jesus as shepherd that we have to see. And especially for a room like this, we need to make sure we don't miss this. Uh, The fourth thing is that Jesus is the worldwide shepherd, the worldwide shepherd who unites people from every tongue and tribe Now, the people of Israel, when they heard Ezekiel 34, they assumed that the flock of God was Israel and only Israel. And so then Jesus says this in verse 16, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. (laughs) Get this. If you are here today and you're not ethnically Jewish, which I'm guessing is most of you, if you're not ethnically Jewish, verse 16's about you. It's saying, hey, Jesus wasn't content to just save one little nation in one little spot, in one little part of the world, but Jesus came to be the worldwide shepherd to give his life as a ransom for many of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Remember what that guy at the beginning that I quoted who, who talked about the qualities of sheep, and he said, sheep are the same everywhere which means all of us everywhere need Jesus. We all do. It's easy to focus on our differences, isn't it? And there's an appropriate place for that, right? Like it, it's, it's significant and important to listen to the stories and the experiences of people who are different from you. That's really valuable. But in our culture, we focus so much on the differences. We forget about what makes us, what we have in common, one of my favorite preachers, uh, has just shaped my life in a lot of different ways, is a guy named John Piper. And John Piper uh, pastored for a long time in uh, Minnesota, and now is writing and speaking and doing different things. But John Piper is this very traditional guy. He's in his 70s. If you see him preach, uh, even if he's preaching to an arena filled with 20-somethings, he'll be wearing a sport coat, and often a tie. And it's usually kind of an old sport coat that doesn't fit real well. It's like one of three or four that he has. He's living lean. And, and John Piper, kind of famously among people who listen to him, know that he doesn't have a TV. So you don't listen to John Piper you're like, man, this guy seems like he's really knowledgeable about all the cultural stuff that's going on. And yet what's amazing is he has a huge following among young Christians. They love listening to him. And I heard an interview once where someone asked him, they said, Pastor John, why is it that you have so much influence with young people when you are so like not culturally relevant? And you know what he said? He said, I focus on the things about people that never change. And if you focus on that, you'll always be relevant. Listen, friends, we are sheep everywhere, all of us. We are sinners in need of forgiveness. We are anxious in need of peace. We are insecure in need of love and affirmation. We are lonely in need of friendship. We are longing for transcendence and something bigger than us. And we need God. That's true for all of us. And Jesus came to be that shepherd so that we could be one flock One shepherd, showing the world this is what's possible if you look to the shepherd. See, the world wants to have all of us try to be one and try to bring together this kumbaya kind of thing, but has no resources to pull it off. Why? Because they won't bend the knee to the shepherd. And yet, if we will bend the knee to the shepherd and we will love like he loves and we will care like he cares, we could actually show the world that the kind of diversity and the kind of unity and the kind of reconciliation that they long for is only possible in Jesus. He's a worldwide shepherd. And finally, we see in this passage that he is a risen shepherd, a risen shepherd who lays his life down and takes it up again. He says this in verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. That's an amazing statement. Jesus wasn't a victim of a Jewish conspiracy and Roman power. Jesus laid his life down. He says, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Twice, he says, I'll take it up again. I'll take it up again. This is amazing. Jesus is predicting his death, predicting his resurrection, and then get this, he pulls it off, which means he has more authority than anybody. Right? I, I could predict that I'm gonna die, but I can't predict that I'm gonna rise again. I don't have that kind of authority. Jesus does. So the question that this leaves us, the question this passage leaves us with is, is where will you land about Jesus? What what do you make of him? I mean, here's the fascinating thing about this passage. There's no commands in it. Like, you don't read this and go, oh, in light of this, I need to go do this, 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 and this. This is not like, hey, here's a good way to live. This is just Jesus saying, here's who I am. I'm God. I'm the shepherd. I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to rise again. You'll find true life in me and in me only. That's who I am. It's a declaration that invites a response. What's your response? Well, here's the response in verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. This is the third time in John's gospel that we've seen this phrase. There was a division because of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to make everyone feel good. Jesus came and he declared who he was and he said, what are you going to do with me? Well, what do they do with him? Verse 20, many of them said he has a demon. He's insane. Why why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? But I want you to see in this response, this is your option. Jesus is nuts or Jesus is Lord. What will you do with him? Will you keep? dismissing Jesus as some religious kook and dismissing his people as just weak religious people that need a crutch while you keep trying to fill up your life with this broken cistern? Or will you acknowledge that he is the Lord, that he's the fountain of living waters, that he is your hope? Will you surrender to him? Will you follow him? Will you hear his voice? And will you go where he leads? That's what he wants for you today. That's what he came for today. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Christ, for your generosity and your goodness and your faithfulness to send him in our place. We thank you that he's alive, that he is risen. And we thank you that we can find life in him. And God, forgive us for the ways that we forsake you, the fountain of living waters, And forgive us for the ways that we seek to find joy in broken cisterns. Help us instead to find life in Christ. That he would be magnified and exalted. That he would be made much of. We pray in his name. Amen.